Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. Friday, July 20th, 1877, was a cool, clear day in Baltimore after two weeks of suffocating heat. Workers ended the week with a trip to the saloons to talk about the depression that had begun wrecking their lives four years earlier and showed no signs of ending. There was also exciting news. The railroad men had struck the B&O. In 1877, railroads were the equivalent of today's energy or software companies, frighteningly wealthy and wielding tremendous power. Men like Franklin Gowan of the Reading, Thomas Scott of the Pennsylvania, and John Work Garrett of the B&O bought governors and entire legislatures whenever necessary. To keep profits up, they were cutting expenses. Crews were forced to maintain homes at both ends of the line and received no pay while they waited between trains. Acting in concert, railroads up and down the East Coast cut salaries by 25 to 50 percent over four years and beat down all opposition. When engineers at the Boston and Maine struck for an extra 10 cents a day, a sum that would have cost the road $47 a week, the company broke them. Everyone knew that railroading was dangerous work. Brakemen running across the tops of cars in sleet and snow to turn the brake wheels and handle unhooded couplings had the worst of it. The saying went that a brakeman with both his hands and all ten fingers was incredibly skillful, impossibly lucky, or new on the job. For this, they received $1.75 per 12-hour day. Some never came home. Tired, desperate, and discouraged, they let themselves fall between the cars. When a railroad man was injured or killed, his family asked the road for assistance. The response often led to court proceedings. The case has resulted in a verdict of $2,500 for the plaintiff, B&O counsel John H. B. Latrobe informed Garrett after one of many trials. The jury were probably influenced by the consideration that $45 was a small sum to compensate for the injuries the man had received, including a rupture that would endure for life. Just days before that cool Friday in July, some strange news had come out of Martinsburg. A couple of B&O crews had brought their trains in, run the locomotives into the roundhouse, and refused to go out again. Soon more crews got involved. At Garrett's insistence, Governor Henry Matthews called out the militia, and gunfire soon echoed in the West Virginia hills. Also at Garrett's request, President Rutherford B. Hayes sent in troops, including the hard-bitten 2nd U.S. Artillery out of Fort McHenry. The trains were no sooner running out of Martinsburg than new incidents erupted in Wheeling, Kaiser, and Grafton. Men who had taken trains through those mountains came back with a need for whiskey and tales that could hush a barroom. Twilight ambushes, chilling howls and curses in the woods, pistol flashes in the darkness. In Baltimore, working people wanted the government to stay out of it. Let them fight it out, they said, of management and the strikers. They resented corporations for making their lives miserable, and they especially resented men like Garrett. Even Garrett's friends began to doubt the wisdom of rewarding stockholders at the expense of his employees. One wrote, The sympathies of so many are with the poor strikers. Can't you condone their error, it's all the power they have, and help them? Let the stockholders and those more able to lose be the ones, not these poor working men. It's for bread they strike. Then he got personal. You cannot, in the ease and plenty in which you live, understand their pressing need for wife and little ones. How far will the small pittance they get go towards the support of a family? Oh, be magnanimous and do something. But it was too late. When the train carrying the federal troops back from Martinsburg stopped in front of the Queen City Hotel in Cumberland, a mob surrounded it. Hordes of young boys scampered between the cars, uncoupling them and locking the brakes. The troops fingered their rifles but held their fire. Clearly, the Great Railroad Strike had not died in Martinsburg. It was rolling toward Baltimore.